0: Welcome to another episode of the Poetically Yours Extended Podcast. I'm Yvonne Booz. Every Friday, you hear new poems from our contributors, but those are just fragments of their brilliance. This podcast serves as a backdrop for the weekly segment. This month's featured poet is Tatiana Salisbury. Tatiana is a Rockford native who now lives in Colorado. She talks about why she moved to the Centennial State, why being vulnerable in her writing is so important, and her future goals. Take a listen. All right, Tatiana, thank you so much for being a part of the poetically yours, I can say award winning podcast now. We recently first place um, for small marketing podcasts. So thanks for being a part of that. So I got your email and you had a whole press kit and things like that. Tell me, <laughs> that was so professional. <laughs>
1: Tell
0: me, how, how did you learn about Portically Yours, and what made you want to be a part of the um, the Portically Yours family?
1: So uh, I went to college at NIU in DeKalb, and uh, one of the programs I was involved in there was just the the media program. So we learned about film and broadcasting and radio and podcasting. We toured the studios, uh, the WNIJ studios. Um, I've always been a really avid listener. Um, I just, I have really long commutes. And so I like to listen to just pretty much any kind of podcast I can. And then especially as I've been um, refinding my voice when it comes to writing, and I know they always say like, to be a better writer, you need to be a great reader. And for me, I am so busy. I will admit I am not good at that. That is very hard for me to get through books. Um, But I find that listening to content where you get to hear other writers talk about their process and read their pieces is a really digestible form of, of, uh, of content for me right now. So that's why I wanted to come on. Um, I also listened to a couple of your past episodes. I think what you're doing is fantastic just showcasing, um, local writers. And I thought it was really cool. Um, there's a lot of diversity in your writers and I think that that's really neat. It's not just, you know, young women, or it's not just young men and it's, um, you have different ages, different backgrounds, um, and I thought that that was really cool. So,
0: oh, well, cool. Now, tell me about your journey as a writer. When did you start writing?
1: Oh, the classic cliche of I started writing when I was a little girl. Uh, <laughs> we all know it's coming. Um, no, so I've been writing. Ever since I can remember, um, I was first professionally published at 18, uh, and I started writing for newspapers and magazines, online student publications, I would enter poetry contests, high school and college level, Um, and then when I went to NIU, I started writing for the NIU newspaper, um, which is the Northern Star, so I wrote film reviews, and I covered events, and was kind of like hitting that journalism space to see if that was something that I wanted to do with my life Um, I became an editor I became editor-in-chief was around all of these different lovely writers Um, and then after college I started writing for a career and then still writing creatively on the side publishing for other magazines um, online publications and and then I just I write every day also for my job so it's uh, it's definitely something that is a, a really big passion of mine
0: now you said when you were 18 you had something published how old are you now 27 how many things have you had published since then
1: oh my gosh probably hundreds of clippings um i used to keep a very nice website portfolio when i was applying for journalism jobs and you could you know click on all my clippings um but i've written i so i i started writing film reviews i was a film student and so i would just it, uh, in, at NIU, I would go to like three movies a day and then just churn out film reviews. And that was, I think, a really good precursor for uh, learning how to write more creatively. Um, and then I started writing more opinion and perspective pieces just about things that were on my mind, started to find a more creative voice. Uh, I wrote for this amazing publication called Study Breaks. And it's a publication that only employs college students, even at their editor in chief and advertising manager level. So there's no real adults <laughs> we're all we're all just college kids um, and then after that that was when I was like okay I really like this whole creative writing infusing my opinion into pieces and then I started to think about okay I've always wanted to write a book maybe it's time to start pursuing that I didn't study creative writing in college but I feel like I have enough of a background to give it a go so tell me about that process oh that was. That was interesting. So I moved to Denver two years ago. Uh, from uh, I'm originally from Rockford, Illinois. So I went to school in DeKalb, but I'm from Rockford. And I was just really looking for a change. I wasn't very happy in Illinois. I felt like my life was kind of stagnant. I also felt that there was a lot of things that had happened in my life thus far that I hadn't figured out a way to work through in a healthy manner, whether it be just things happen in childhood or with my parents or with past relationships. And so I was like, okay, I'm gonna do a fresh start. I'm gonna get a fresh job. I'm gonna just quite literally be the first person in my family to just pack up my life and go. And I did. And then when I got to Denver, I feel like my life just kind of blossomed. Like I found this amazing social group and I'm I have this wonderful support system out here now and I got a great job and I was being outside more and hiking with my dogs. And, and so then I was like, you know, I think it's time. I think I've always said I wanted to write a book. I didn't start it in college. I I worked my way through school. I was, I always convinced myself I was too busy. And then I just decided that there's always going to be a million reasons why you're not going to do something, whether it be fear or lack of time. And so, um, I had had this goal to publish a book by the time I was 30. And at 25, I was like, okay, I should probably start (laughs) five years is probably enough time to give myself. Um, And then I wrote it in six months. And that was I didn't think it was going, I thought it was gonna be a way longer process. But I started and it kind of just wouldn't stop. I would write every single day, I would, you know, get off of working eight to five, have my 30 minute drive home, make a really quick dinner and sit down on the couch and write for four or five more hours so yeah kind of how the book started now um before I talk about the book I want to ask
0: why Denver
1: Mm. Um, well it was Denver or LA <laughs> my two, oh. in my two my two options in my head um, I loved the fact that California was like beach and mountains I'd always heard people say that and then I just started to see pictures of Denver and sh- just the sheer amount of beauty that was there and I always find that I have a clear headspace when I'm outside more and so I was like wow there's just a lot to do there it seems like everybody is really happy and carefree and casual um and then LA I ruled it out because it was just simply too expensive and I was like you know maybe someday but um it's a little it's a little bit expensive it's a little also a little bit too busy for me and I liked how Denver had this big city and small town vibe mm-hmm. I like that. yeah
0: all right so your book where did yes. you come up with the title for um the book words my heart needed to hear I I think that is so Mm -hmm. profound because I think poetry um, encompasses that
1: yeah Um, well I workshopped like 25 different titles I will say before I came to this one Uh, the title came to me on I was in Cancun I was on a bus uh, going from I had just like done some zip lining at night through a jungle which is something two years ago I would have never done I am scared of heights I am scared of the dark uh so we're, I'm on this bus back and it's like you know a six hour day of just zip lining and hiking and ATVing and I was absolutely exhausted and I pull out my phone and I'm looking at all these titles and I'm like nothing just nothing felt right um so the main the main inspiration for words my heart needed to hear are all of these poems are things that I have I had yet to say out loud to myself. And then once I did, and once I wrote them down, it kind of felt like little by little there was some weight lifted off of my heart. And so I was like, oh, you know, I think that, you know, sometimes people come into your life and they tell you things that you really need to hear. But I also think that there's a lot of things that we need to hear from ourselves in order to feel like a better more whole, more complete person, things we can admit, things we can start to accept about our life experiences. And I just throughout this whole process of writing, I was just trying to think about what do I need to hear to feel better? What do I need to hear to feel accepted? And if nobody is going to say it to me, I'm going to start saying it to myself. And so hopefully that would um, also impact other people with words that their hearts might need to hear.
0: Now tell me about that picture on the book The Heart and it looks like I see two hands holding the image mm-hmm. of a heart.
1: Yeah. Not a, um, not
0: a red heart, but a real human, yeah. an image of a real yeah. human
1: heart. Tell me yeah. tell me about that. Yes, that was very intentional. Um so my partner Logan illustrated this cover for me. And uh, I had two things in mind. So one, I wanted it to be an anatomically correct heart, I didn't want it to be the pretty red Valentine's Day heart because nobody's heart looks like that. And nobody's heart is going to like no valves are the same size and No arteries flow in the same way, um, which is why you'll notice on the book, like the shading is uneven and the line, uh, the line width is uneven. That's all intentional. It's not, I didn't want it to be perfect. Um, And I just wanted it to, I wanted it to feel when you're reading this book, I wanted it to feel like just like hard in your hands. I wanted people who read this book to feel cared for and to feel seen Um, and to feel like their heart was in good hands. And I think that that is something in my life I have always struggled with. Um, I've always struggled with how to get to a place of trust with someone else where I feel that I can be completely myself. And I just kind of decided that, well, I think that that trust starts from, can I be that for myself? So that was, that was the goal is trying to have something that was not perfect. That was a little bit messy. Uh but that was something that was very real and tangible for people to see.
0: All right, so I'm gonna take a moment and have you read a couple of things from your book. Um, Normally when I do these interviews, I, I love to have the poets just share poetry with me.
1: Oh, I love that. So I just get to pick? Yeah, you get to pick. <laughs> oh, lovely, okay. Um, I have a couple that I always bookmark. Maybe I'll I'll start with something a little bit lighter. Give me one second. Yeah. Okay. So this is, this is a poem from the first chapter. So it's love that sparks. I fantasize about how it would feel to meet you again for the first time. To marvel at your beauty and gaze into eyes. Who hadn't yet seen more of me than anyone else that's from the first chapter
0: oh that's short and sweet and it it i uh, it takes me and to a place where man I've never thought about reliving a particular moment that just gives you all the the good feelings to see, right you know to go back and imagine to say if i to really know who you were when I met you, how would I have reacted? I love that. And you said exactly. that simple in a few sentences.
1: <laughs> well, and I, and I think one of the other goals in, in this particular piece was the more that you love somebody and the more that they get to know you, the scarier that can be for some people who have a lot of walls upright and who are very guarded. So How great would it feel sometimes? I think we all fantasize about sometimes going back to when it was just the fun, or when it was just the spark, the spark of love, and you and you hadn't become maybe so serious yet, or you hadn't divulged all your secrets yet. Now, while that is beauty in itself, there's also some beauty about meeting somebody for the first time and your heart fluttering and all of the butterflies. there's beauty in truth and there's beauty in mystery and so that's what i i try to capture with that one i like that one <laughs> all right i'm going to try to pick a little bit of a longer one from okay. from one of the other chapters i feel like as i'm rereading my own book i notice that the more <laughs> the as the chapters go on the pieces get longer almost as if i have more to say about certain things
0: <laughs> I And I can see as you're going through your book, you have this sense of accomplishment on your face. You can tell you're proud and you're happy as you're going through choosing the um, the poems that you want to read.
1: Yeah, it's everything in here is so intentional. Every period, every space, and so I'm just like, oh my gosh, wow, I did this. (laughs) Now, did you have help
0: before you before you read that next piece? Did you have help with the book? Did you publish it on your own?
1: published it on my own. Um, so as I said, I have an editing background. So I wrote and edited, designed the whole thing myself. Um, obviously, I had my partner do the cover, but still designing all of the other aspects was me. And then I did self-publish. So I also manage all of the production. I manage all of the marketing, um, all of the sales, all of that. It's been a crazy learning process, for sure.
0: Now, you said something that scares me a little bit. And I mm. want to talk about that um, mm. for a little bit for the writers out there. Mm. You did the editing yourself. I was always taught that's so a no, no. And I thought at one point, oh, it's just poetry. I can handle this. Mm.
1: But tell me why aren't you afraid to edit yourself? Why I'm not afraid. <laughs> um, well, I think I have... Of seven or eight years of editing experience, which I know by no means makes me a professional, but it does make me decently confident in my abilities. Uh, I have edited poetry and articles for friends as well as professionally for my job. The biggest thing I think is because it's a poetry book, that's why I felt most comfortable. I think if this was my first novel or if I was trying to write maybe a fantasy romance uh, with character development and different structure, like the structure of a novel versus the structure of a poetry book, I think I probably would have employed some help. But the other thing about me is I really wanted this to be all me. I wanted my first book to be to say that I could do it on my own, and even if it's not perfect, and even if there was a comma out of place, that was my comma then that I missed, that I have to figure out, okay, why did I do that, and why did in six, you know, or ten reads of the book did I not catch that? I think for me, I wanted wanted this to be just all on my own. And that was just really important for me, but I was scary. It's not like it was easy to not tap into my writer friends on LinkedIn and say, I've got this 154, you know, piece poetry manuscript that I really need you to look at. Um, I did have some early readers. They were very helpful. So I had some friends who I, I very much trust. And I sent them you know here's a a rough outline of chapter one can you help me with uh flow because you know all how all is you know poetry how all of the pieces flow together and how it looks when the book is open versus on backs of pages um so I did get some opinions on layout but ultimately had the last word when it comes to it and
0: then when it came
1: to creating
0: the final product did you work with a printer for for that or how did you go about go about getting that piece done
1: so when you self-publish I did a lot of research on it there's a bunch of different self-publishers to pick from um, I ended up going with Ingram spark because I thought that they had the best platform to use they seemed to have a lot of great resources for self-publishers whether it was help articles or uh, chat lines with with, um, you know, tech support. Uh, and I, and I just really, I liked how they, how much support they gave new authors, I thought was amazing. And their editing system that they had created in their platform was lovely. Uh, So once you pick a self publisher, then I mean, it really it still is up to you, you have to design the spine, the back cover, the front cover, you have to design the full inside, Um, you have to usually design it in a Photoshop or an InDesign of, of sorts. And then you have to upload everything you have to order proofs and edit proof like it's still a huge process. I think You know, again, I've never worked with a a publishing house, but I follow people on social media who are working with publishing houses for their first books. And it seems like a similar process, except for self-publishing, you are the one pushing all of the buttons.
0: (laughs) All right, let's go ahead and get to that second poem.
1: All right, lovely. So this is going to be from the third chapter, which is Love That Hurts. Some days... It's all too much. The responsibility to be strong, clear-headed, soothing, smart, objective, understanding, creative, kind. Better than my past. I don't know how to tell you, tell everyone that when you say I'm strong, it means I can't be weak. But I need to be angry, jaded, out of control because I am pained and I am cursed and I am frustrated, constantly, Impeccably, and you can't forget about me because I carry it well. In the end, it's the ones we never remember whom we can't forget. My branches are breaking, but it's fine, and they're fine so long as I'm fine. So, I'm fine. You need me to be happy, then a happy girl is who I'll be. That's that one. Tell me more about that. Was
0: that about a breakup? where two people loved each other and they just decided, you know what, we can't go on together.
1: Is that what mm. that's about? That's what I heard. Well, I think, you know, poetry is always up to that interpretation, right? I, I like that you thought of that. I think what, what this reminds me of is um, my relationship with my family, actually. Um, I think, so I am the I am the oldest daughter. I am also the oldest cousin and granddaughter. I'm the oldest of the old. And I think in my experience that meant that there was a lot of pressure on me to always make the right decisions, right decisions, uh to be happy and to be grateful and if I was upset or if I had failed, you know, hide that and don't show that and move on. And I just, I found that in my family, whether that be immediate or extended, that this was something that, you know, when I did kind of show more of a human emotion, when I was really angry, or when I was confused, conflicted, frustrated, it wasn't an emotion they handled well from me. And it was always just met with, you know, do better, be better. And so I think that that's where the first part of the poem comes from. And then there's also, I think, this expectation as the oldest daughter that you set a good example for the fellow women, the younger women in your family. I think that you, when you prove that you can be strong, people expect that then you are only strong and that in your weaker moments, you don't have them. You're fine. And then I think the end of the poem where I talk about branches breaking, but it's fine and it's fine and it's fine. Um, it's just having to be strong for other people instead of being strong for yourself. And I think just the phrase, a happy girl is how I was always described as a child. Like when my mom would talk to her friends about me or when my grandma would talk to her gals at the bowling league about me, she's just a happy child. She's so happy. She's so happy. She's so strong. And I think that while that is all meant as a compliment, I think what it did to my brain and my heart was say, that's your identifier, you can't be weak. That's your identifier, you can't be sad. And if you're sad and if you're weak and if you're conflicted, there's something deeply wrong and you have to hide that from people and just keep going with this perception that you're just a happy girl and deal with all of that inside. So that's the that's the inspiration for this. But I have heard that uh, other people have said that when they read that, they do also think of saving face in a relationship and they think of saving face in front of their friends and they think of, it reminds people of the mask that you put on for the world and then, but actually truly how you feel about yourself. Um, I think maybe lastly too, the way that it's written as well, like there's, there's a single line for jaded, there's a single line for out of control. Those are emotions that I as a woman, when I have expressed have always been judged for, I feel like a lot of women might feel that way, because then we're, we're too emotional, or we're too much. And uh, I don't want to feel like too much anymore. And that's, that was what this, this poem was, is like, I'm done, I'm done feeling like too much. Because it's not, and if I were a man, this wouldn't be questioned. It would just be how I felt that day. And so I was trying to also normalize that, normalize feeling human emotion other than just happiness.
0: Yeah, the one part that sticks with me is when you said, um, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And I think more conversations should happen about that where we go through life doing things that, are pleasing to others. And we, for me, I'll say it's okay. But then we find mm-hmm. ourselves hurting and not growing and, and and not flourishing the way we should, because we're putting everyone else first. Tell me about how poetry has helped you identify some of those things uh, within you.
1: Mm. So I always like to say that my best writing starts from the absolute darkest place. So that's When I will usually start writing is when I'm not in a great headspace, and then kind of force myself through poetry to dig myself out of that mood. I think that, I don't know, and everybody's different. But for me, starting it, starting when I'm happy, never really worked, because I don't think people write when they're happy. I think people write when they're going through things. I think that one of the main motivators in this book was I had a relationship when I was a young woman 17 probably 17 to 19 on and off that was very psychologically manipulative and verbally abusive and didn't get to the physical stage of abuse but was very scary and I felt very alone in that and even now as a 27 year old right that's That's a decade later. I still think about it. I still, there are some days it really consumes my mind. And I realized that I had never written about it. It was too painful. I think I had started writing things about it and then quite literally had ripped the pages or burned. I talk about there's like burning pages a lot used as a line in this book because I quite literally burned journals that I wrote about this boy because when you write it down, and when you document it, and when you say it out loud, the abuse becomes real. But if it's just here, it might not be. And I think that's a really scary thing to confront. So one of the main motivations of this, of me wanting this to be poetry is to work through that trauma and that abuse so that I could finally let some of it go. Um, I had done the things I had gone to therapy, I had tried different kinds of counseling, I had moved across the country and nothing had seemed to be helping me work through this trauma as much as writing had helped. And so that was one of the main motivators. And the other motivator in choosing to be a poetry book and not maybe a novel or, you know, putting myself and making it a character is that I wanted this to be me. I think that my best strength as a writer is how vulnerable I can be. And I know through casual conversations with friends, they have said to me before you just said something I would I could never say out loud. And for me, I feel like that could help somebody. If I'm able to say something out loud and so to speak, normalize it and make one person feel 1% better, then this is worth it for me.
0: Yeah, and, and that's a lot of, I think that's a, a superhero quality that a lot of poets um have, the fact that we can be vulnerable and we can share things that a lot of people won't share. I know for me, I'm comfortable with doing that because I know sometimes I use empathy in my poetry. So I know I can write and say, well, this could be uh, something that's deep inside of me, but I can write it as if it's a third person or it's not me. You'll get the message out because there are some things you just don't want to give up. You don't, even as a poet, you don't want everyone to know everything, but you have a message inside of you that you have to get out. Now, let's talk yeah. about um, the short stories. Do you have a story that you would like to share that's in the book?
1: Oh, sure. Let me Let me pick up one right here. I know I do have a couple longer pieces in here. All right. So I think I'll pick one. I'll pick one from the Hertz chapter as well. Okay. So. We'll never be more than a memory lost between the pages of a diary and stuck inside a song. I thought I could find the courage to remember us as more than we were at 17. But time is cruel and casts a dark shadow and I couldn't dig our bodies from the grave. Was there a time I loved you? Or did I just love the way that you worshipped me? And was there a time that you really loved me? Or did you just love the way I surrendered to your power? The year that I lost you, I didn't write a single word. Those days I laid in bed listening to the sound of snow plows clearing the way for other people to get on with their lives. Everyone but me. Didn't you think we'd last forever too? the kids who carved our names in trees, grow up together and teach our children to walk beneath the very branches that birthed our love. I'm sitting by the window, still waiting for the day, where you run through the rain and tell me that you're sorry. You were wrong, this was wrong, and it wasn't me. You didn't know how to love a girl, let alone a woman, and you should have let me go sooner than you wanted, but right when I needed. So we'll never be more than we were. Our fate sealed in pages of journals I've burned and songs I've forgotten, right where we belong. Oh
0: wow! Tell me, <laughs> and, and, and I can hear poetry intertwined in the intertwined in the short story. Tell me mm-hmm. about no pl- uh, plow imagery. Mm.
1: Uh, so that's just based on a. Uh, so I when I was going through this breakup, we lived in this house. And I felt like I got the most terrible bedroom. And I always told my mom this because it was right by the street and it was an exterior wall and it was really thin. And I could, you know, when people were doing lawn work, I could hear it. When snow plows were going on. I could hear it so vividly. And I always used to think that, wow, what if I just had time that was quieter? Maybe I could process more things, but it just felt like a constant noise. And so this this day this particular winter day that i'm writing about i just remember trying to wake up and i was so sad and i was distraught and all i could hear were the snow plows and i just kind of thought i think i had heard my parents talking in the kitchen about like waiting for the snow plows to be done um so that they could go get groceries and go to the bank and I just remember thinking like I don't want to go anywhere I don't want to do anything I don't want to be anything today so even if there is a, a path to get out even if I could go to the movies or hang out with friends it still kind of feels like I'm stuck here even though I physically am not stuck it just feels like I am stuck in this bed in this mood in this brain and I just didn't know how to get myself out of it
0: that is great imagery because you know you're using the snow plow as an example but that's That's something like an imaginary path that we sometimes ignore when things are clear. We choose to stay in the mess a lot of Mm times. Oh, wow. Great job with that. I love your writing. Now, can you tell me, um, what are your plans for the future? Are you thinking about doing another book or, you know, what are you going to do with all this you have inside of you?
1: (laughs) So um, a couple of things. So I would love to, as this book gains traction, to then submit it to a publishing house and maybe get it republished um, under a larger publisher name. I think that would be lovely, and maybe get a book deal. That would be great. I think I have a the goal of getting a book deal by the time I'm 31. So we'll see. Um, but I do have an idea for a second book that I'm working on, kind of in the same vein of vulnerability, but it would be more of this short story influenced by poetry. And so kind of what I'm thinking, okay, so what I thought about when I was picturing this I, you know, I always go through my old journals for inspiration, because usually I have like half started ideas that uh, I'm very bad at finishing things. Let me just say that. So I'll go back, I'll look at these pages. And I'm like, Oh, those three sentences were good. Why did little me not pursue that? So Um, one of the things I thought about was this concept of reading my diaries and I read my words and I was like, this girl, she's acting like everything is fine, but I know where I was at that date in my life. I was not fine. Why did I lie to my own journal? Who was going to read this that I'm saving face for? So that's the concept of my second book. So a working title I have is just everything I haven't said. That's the title. And each chapter would be. One of those really, really vulnerable, at sometimes dark and hard to admit truths that are hard to even put into our own journals or our own diaries. And then the short story or the chapter of each of each one would be how I then overcome that hard truth and learn to accept it as a part of myself. And a, a great example is um, I am I am in a happy relationship with a partner of five and a half years, but there is always this part of me that has thought, where would my life be if I was alone? And there are sometimes when we fight and when we argue that I do think about what, how would my life be different if I had chosen not to love you, if I had chosen not to stay with you. And I think that as an emotion is really hard for people to admit because they're like, well, logically, I'm in this happy, loving partnership. Why would I wonder what it's like anywhere else? we do wonder that everybody has if they want to admit it or not so I think again leaning into my strength of being able to write about uncomfortable or very vulnerable truths that's what I want my second book to focus on even more but instead of just being poetry I want it to be longer and I want it to be short stories infused with you know really painfully specific examples from my own life
0: I like that. And why do you think it's so important to share these experiences with the world?
1: Because when I was a kid, there was nobody doing this. And I felt so alone. And I still sometimes feel alone as a young woman. And You know, I'm happy for my friends that can get lost in a fantasy romance or, you know, a Game of Thrones-esque book. If that's what makes them happy, I'm happy for them. But unfortunately, that for me, it doesn't do it. That doesn't bring me a sense of community. That doesn't give me a sense of belonging in the world. And I think that one of the most beautiful things, maybe the most beautiful thing about humans is our ability to communicate with one another. And so why not use that to to the the best of our ability. (laughs) Why do we leave so much unsaid? And I think that's, I think I want to live my life where I leave less unsaid because you're only here for as long as you're here. We don't know how long that's going to be. And I think with my time that I'm here, I want to make people feel less alone and I want to make people feel more accepted and I want to make people feel more loved. And I think I do that with the truth.
0: Yeah. And I love the way when you talked about your mate, You talked about choosing and I I think a lot of us don't think about a lot of the situations we find ourselves in are because of our choices. It's a choice for us to love this person or to move to this state. It's all choices and we can change that at any moment. So I love the way you emphasize the word I, you know, the word that you chose to be with this, this particular guy, and then to say, you know, we all think about what if life was different? What if I made a different choice? Um, Yes. I I think that's amazing that you're able to talk about that. But the one thing that I'm still trying to um, comprehend in my mind, and I know a lot of us probably do this and not even know it, how you talked about lying to yourself. Like you're writing mm-hmm. in your journal for you, but you're making it seem like everything is pretty
1: when you knew it
0: wasn't. Mm-hmm.
1: What do you think and that I, comes from? Well, I think that comes from, you know, I was 17 and I was, I was dating somebody who was younger than me. I was dating somebody who was physically smaller, shorter than me and but but somebody that was hurting me more than I'd ever been hurt before, more than I had ever felt more disrespected, like, I just, I can't even, see, again, it's it's so hard to verbalize how much it hurt me, and there came with that so much guilt and so much shame, because I think as a young woman, what I was taught was the, the boy that was going to hurt you was like the six foot five football player that you shouldn't have loved in the first place, you know, You never you're never told to suspect like the nerdy English guy, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you're taught this certain trope of man or partner to be wary of. And so I felt really, really shameful that I had fallen for somebody who like how almost how am I letting them do this to me? Like, I'm strong, and I'm smart, and I am going places. And yet there is somebody who is making me feel so small and so insignificant. And so I think that lying to myself for all of those years, and, and mind you, I will preface this by saying um, the abuse that went on, I actually didn't really tell my parents until about a year and a half ago what happened. And there is there's a poem in the book. it's it's two lines. I don't even know if you'd call it a poem. I think it's just a sentiment. And it's it's from it's like the day I finally told my mom the truth. And it's just the two sentences we spoke. And it was, "You know, why didn't you tell me sooner?" And my response was, "I didn't have the words." And I think that that happens to so many young people when they are abused physically or mentally, when they are manipulated, when they are made to feel less than, you are young and your brain is not developed and your vocabulary is not developed and your self-esteem is not developed and you don't know how to express those things without it feeling like your fault somehow. So I think that I spent all those years lying to myself because I was lying to everybody else. And it's the easiest thing, right? You just kind of keep up the charade. I'm fine. And everything's fine. Hmm.
0: Worth to live by. <laughs> Now, can you tell me if people wanted to learn more about your work, hire you for editing services, um, how can they do that?
1: Oh, so I am very active on LinkedIn and Instagram. So uh, LinkedIn is the best way to contact me for any kind of professional writing, editing, or consulting on poetry or fiction. Those are kind of poetry uh, and nonfiction are my specialties. And then Instagram and TikTok is where you can follow all of my uh, writing journey. So something I've been trying to do more on social media is not just post snippets from my book, but actually just post from my daily writing. Writing journey, So things that are not published in print, but things that just I like and they're my style. Um, I recently wrote a short story and I put it on Instagram about a time that I got into a fight with a boy and he like locked me out of his house and it was a winter night and it was I was standing on his porch in the freezing cold just thinking about what had led me to be in that moment and I wrote four pages and put it on Instagram and it's been getting a a phenomenal response but that's something that you can't find in a book so I think that Instagram TikTok best place to follow my writing journey Um, and then I have all of my links on my social media for um, I'm having some author events coming up I'm doing some speaking engagements uh, some open mic nights and uh, you can RSVP for all of those. I try to make all of my events free. I don't think anybody should have to pay to talk about poetry and writing. I think it's just so much fun to talk about. And, uh, and you can also purchase a copy of my book on, on my social media.
0: Before we go, I would like for you to close us out with
1: one last poem. Ooh, perfect. I know exactly which one I'd like. <laughs> so this is the poem that gets mentioned to me the most in reviews and just by my friends um it's the it's the poem that uh, it's from it's the last poem of the last chapter love that laughs and it closes out the book so <clears throat> it says the secret to surviving is choosing to believe yourself over the opinions of others if you can drown their noise in a sea of your dreams and imagine a future where no one can touch you." and you win. In the end, what remains is your heart and the care you took to keep her alive. Oh,
0: that is a lovely way to close out our conversation. Um, Thank you so much for taking the time to share your life with me. And you got a little deep there. I wasn't expecting it, but thank you because I know somebody needs to hear it. And some of those things I needed to hear as a reminder that, hey, it's not okay. (laughs) Stop lying to yourself. (laughs)
1: I appreciate that. It was so great to talk with you, too. I really appreciate the opportunity. No problem. You have a good one. You, too. Have a good day.
0: Thank you for listening to another episode of this extended podcast. Catch our weekly segment every Friday at 1231 p.m. and 618 p.m. on 89.5 WNIJ and at 359 p.m. on 90.5 WNIU. Listen anytime at WNIJ.org. Special thanks to the Nick Monty Trio Band for providing their smooth tunes. For Poetically Yours, I'm Yvonne Booz.